Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Today's episode is brought to you by Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition. Their brand of clinically researched products help support overall health. Do you want to burn fat, build lean muscle, improve strength, increase energy and vitality, help with pain relief? Go to www.thecowboyway.com. Register to get your personal discount code. Take the bull by the horns and use the brand that cowboys love. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, super excited to have my guest on today. It's interesting how, uh, how we met. I was standing in line to get Tough Hedeman's autograph at the Pan. I think it was at the Panhandle. It was Panhandle Slim, I believe. Panhandle Slim or it was Rock and Roll Denim. I know we'll figure that out in a minute. But anyway, I'm standing in line there and started talking to this young gal that was working for Panhandle Slim at the time at the national finals there. And uh, we just got to talking and I said, Hey, you should, I should really, you know, get you on my podcast. I'd love to, you know, have you on there and tell your story a little bit. So anyway, we finally connected here recently and um, I've got her on today. Uh, But first, before we get to that, I just wanted to mention again, episode 76 that we did. uh, I did it with the uh, wife of Navy SEAL, Danny Dietz, Patsy Dietz Shipley. Um, He's one of the Navy SEALs that was uh, killed in Operation Red Wing. And they have the 10th annual Navy SEAL Danny Dietz Memorial Classic uh, Rodeo, uh, USTRCA affiliate and barbecue cook-off coming up here May 24th through the 27th. That's in Rosenberg, Texas at the Fort Bend County Fairgrounds. Uh, so be sure and check that out. You can, you can check it out at uh, dannydietzmemorial.com and then also on the uh, Navy SEAL Danny Dietz Memorial uh, Classic Facebook uh, page and Instagram. Check that out. Even if you can't make it, you can still support uh, the Navy SEAL Foundation and support all of these great men and women that uh, have made the ultimate sacrifice for our country and support the uh, families that they've left behind. So again, check that out. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it's episode 76 um, on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, all the places that you uh, listen to your podcast at, uh, we are on there. So, hey, like I was saying earlier, I've got Arlen Nelson um, on the podcast today. And I, I, again, I met her at, uh, at the National Finals Rodeo when she was doing some work with uh, Rock and Roll Denim. And I was being a super fan, standing in line, super excited to get uh, Tough Hedeman's autograph, even though I, I had met him before. But it was great to get it again and shake his hand and talk to him. So, anyway, uh, we got Arla on today. Arla, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Hi, Dan. Uh, I know you're super excited to be here. You're not nervous at all, right? No, not at all. Uh, I feel like I'm getting ready to give a a public a public announcement or a public speech. You know, same same sort of fear adrenaline going through me. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, they say that some people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. Actually, so. Um, but again, we are recording this. It's not even live, but like we talked about before we, before we started recording today, how it's, it, can, uh, it can get to us. And it's gotten to a lot of people that I've had on the podcast. They go, oh, man, I'm so nervous about being on there. But uh, 
like we talked about, nothing to worry about. It's just you and me right now. And then it'll be, you know, a million people listening to us here shortly <laughs> after we, after we publish it. <laughs> Absolutely. No pressure. <laughs> hey, so, you know, when, when we met and we started talking, uh, you know, you were, you don't work for uh, rock and roll denim full-time, do you? No. So that was just contract work. Uh, they had put out an ad on Instagram a few months back and I went ahead and applied for it and got the job. So it was just, we were there for 14 days and they paid us and um, we did the, we did the two weeks and then we went home. So that was it. Very cool. Had you, had you done that before? Or was that the first time? That was the first time I had ever done uh, any sort of contract work before. So it was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, very cool. And I'm sure you got to meet and see a lot of different people. Did you guys make it to the rodeo any nights or were you stuck there working the whole time? No, we were pretty lucky. We were in the Cowboy Marketplace. So we only worked like, I want to say 9 a.m. to 5. So we got out of there super quick. And then I went to the rodeo. One of the nights we had total nosebleed seats. I mean, we were we were in the top level uh at one of the ends, I think it was the end the ropers came in, mm-hmm. uh, but it was still pretty cool. I mean, I was just excited to be there, so I didn't really care if I ended up, you know, all the all the way up there. And uh, the company treated us really well. We got a little like private area down in the MGM where if we wanted to go watch it uh, on the big screens, we could. So it was pretty pretty neat. Yeah, very nice. What what really surprised me because this is really one of the first years where I, I made it to all the venues they had, you know, vendors and stuff. And you can hardly even make it in two weeks. There was so many vendors and and all the different venues. It was crazy. And we did make it to the rodeo one 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 uh, night. We made it to the seventh round, which was really cool. It's it, it's a huge huge event out there. Yeah, and I didn't realize how many, like, shopping, like you said, how many shopping centers that there were. And even just ours, we would, you know, kind of walk through it on our lunch break. And I remember finally by day six, I had seen almost all the booths, you know, (laughs) on my 30-minute lunch break. So I can't even imagine having the full, like, two weeks. Like, I don't know if you came down for a full two weeks, but to, like, go try and go through all that, it would just be crazy. Yeah, and that's just on where you guys were at. And where where were you guys at again? What what venue were you in? We were in Mandalay Bay, which yeah, was Mandal- uh, the Roper Christmas. Right, yeah, and that was a big one. But still, there was, uh, I think, four, I don't know, four or five other ones. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but we, we, we went to all of them, but I don't know that we saw everything in all of them just because, like you said, I mean, it takes you a week to go through one, so uh, – it was crazy though. Yeah. And did you have, you had a booth there, didn't you? No, we didn't. We, we just, we were just walking around. We, we launched our new product. And so we were walking around um, just meeting and greeting and talking to people. And there, there was several people there that I'd had on the podcast already. And so we went and, you know, visited with them at their booths and stuff. Hopefully we'll have a, a booth here this next year. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel like it's, if you're in, if you're in the Western world, it should be like, on one of your your bucket list goals to go yeah. have a booth at the NFR or something. Absolutely, it's 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 definitely a a, a must do type of thing. But hey, when we were there, we were talking a little bit, and you know, you were telling me you know a little bit about you and and you know the industries and disciplines you were involved in. I know you were involved in uh, 
I'll, I'll let you tell it because I don't, you know, I don't know everything, but you were involved in the Western writing and, and, uh, some trick writing and, and that, and then you were doing some transitioning into, uh, you know, other disciplines, uh, like jumping and, uh, I think English. And so if you would just tell us, how did you get started in, in the Western horse, cowboy rodeo, Western lifestyle and culture, and as brief or detailed as you want, just give us a, give us an idea. Okay, well, I'll do my best, and if I start to, like, ramble off on something, you can just, I won't be offended if you bring me back around or anything. Uh, <laughs> no worries. I'll try and hit the important details, though. There you go. Okay, so my parents uh, kind of grew up, they kind of had horses. Uh, I don't think they were ever really serious into it, but we always had them growing up, and um, as I got a little bit older, like, as a kid, like seven or eight, I kind of started to show some more interest in it. And my mom and dad, I don't know how we ended up on it, but my mom and dad had mules. And uh, we knew some people who had some donkeys that just needed homes or something. So I remember my sister and I both bought two donkeys. Um, She bought one named Cappuccino and I bought one named Smokey for a whole $50. Uh, our own savings, and that's pretty much what what kicked it off, I think, and uh, it was some serious character building, I think, having donkeys as our first, like, rideable animals, and along with the character building, I think it really, like, secured <laughs> how far we were going to go in it sort of thing, because if you could handle that, I feel like you could handle anything after that. <laughs> So then I had an interesting transition uh, whenever I was 11 or 12. My, like I said, my parents were into mules. And then they bought me a little, well, no, I take that back. I ended up buying another, uh, my own mule. that was. He was 19 years old. His name was Buzz. Well, his name is Buzz. I actually still have him. He's 32 this year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's going to, I'm telling you, he is just going to go forever and ever and ever. Uh, I'm pretty sure if I ever have kids, they will be using him. (laughs) (laughs) He is just as hearty as they come. So, and he's on like an all soft food diet now. His teeth are falling out. (laughs) I mean, he looks great, but (laughs) he's hit geriatric for sure. So I bought him um, with my own money again, whenever I was, I think 10 or 11, I can't remember. And then, um, and I needed something that would go a little bit more. He was just an old trail mule, and but I loved him to death. Uh, my parents bought me a unbroke three-year-old mule. And I broke him whenever I was 12, 12 or 13, um, with the help of a, a trainer slash now kind of, I guess she was kind of my mentor. Yeah, mm-hmm. trainer slash mentor growing up. And we did that, and I actually went on and showed, like, 4-H on him and went the whole nine yards, and I even tried my hand at jumping on him. It did not go well. He does not like (laughs) plastic flowers, to say the least. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, as I got older, I wanted to do different stuff, so we ended up, I transitioned on to our, like, all-around horse. His name is Big Red. Uh, And that's whenever I started showing Western pleasure and uh, showing a little bit of English. We'll get on to that later. Um, but English, I kind of 
was kind of like a self-taught thing and uh, we just bought the gear for it and I kind of went for it I thought I had an idea of what I was doing at the time and I uh, I queened for our county and was princess and 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 then queen um, I did that into my freshman year of college which I really really enjoyed and then during all this I was also trick riding a little bit uh, I had trick road at a rodeo bible camp whenever I was 12 and fell in love with it then I bought my own trick riding horse uh, in high school I believe uh, that was my plan after college was to make trick riding a full-time career so I had really thought, yes it was <laughs> uh, and then I went to college and majored well I didn't major I don't know if an associate's account uh, associate's degree counts as majoring but I got a degree in horse training and management and that's kind of where I learned that's where I continued my knowledge on colt breaking and uh, how to manage a place and you know equine sciences and that sort of thing so that's kind of like the younger years I suppose I don't know if I hope all that kind of came came around in a sense. yeah well it's yeah, it, it does. But I did not know about the donkeys and the mules. And that's, that's very interesting. And it's, so it's your folks that were into the mules uh, originally, and that's why you started with those? Yes, it was. It was. And, and now I know that mules and, and horses are, there's, I mean, I don't know a lot about mules, except I know that I know they're smart, they say, and there is a, a big difference between them, isn't there? Or is there not? Oh, there is. And there isn't. I think there's a few things that most people will say about mules that ring pretty true. Like a horse is pretty forgiving and a mule is not. Right. So you, you kind of have to be careful around them because if you like reprimand them too hard or uh, maybe they just don't even like you as a person and they right. <laughs> have people that they don't like, they will let you know about it. Right. <laughs> So there, yeah, there are some differences. Uh, I think it depends on the breeding too. Uh, the mule that I broke, he came out of a pretty nice mare. So he was, he's pretty much more on the horse side of things than he uh -huh. is the, the donkey side of things. And so he's built really nicely and he's got a really sweet disposition. I'll say that the donkey in him kind of comes out every once in a while like he'll just look at you and be like i i'm not going to do that are you kidding <laughs> yeah. you kind of see like the front feet get planted in the ground and he's really lovey nice <laughs> that's funny that's funny so then what what you, now you say you went to a bible camp and that's where you first got introduced to uh trick riding was it was it specifically did they specifically have a trick riding training there or was it just something that somebody there that was a trick rider? I mean, how'd that happen? Yeah, so I'm sure this is kind of, I'm not sure how it works exactly like out of states, but usually like the, the clinicians will sign up for uh, like a, a string of, ro of rodeo Bible camps during the summer. And the lady that was clinicianing, her name is Linda Schultz, and mm -hmm. she's out of Fowler, Colorado, and she was there with her husband, Paul Schultz, uh, and they're both big into ministry. Uh, Paul mm -hmm. was. He passed away a few years ago. 
So they were already hooked up with it. And then Linda had been trick riding for I don't know how many years, probably 20 or 30. Then Paul did the, he brought the Bronx for the bareback and uh, saddle bronc mm-hmm. school part of it. And so they would just pretty much tour around, I think, Colorado and Missouri for mm-hmm. for the summer and just go to all these different ones. And, you know, it just it showed up one year on our things that we could choose to to participate in. And I saw the trick riding and was just sold. <laughs> you know, forget the goat tying barrel barrel racing was not it. I was totally there for the trick riding. So that's what started it. Yeah, very cool. I, I've seen, I've saw you know some of the pictures you know of you uh, you know doing some of the different stunts and stuff. Now, how long did you do that for anyway? Uh, I want to say I kind of did it as a hobby for oh probably over like four years because I didn't really get into it whenever until I was fifteen or sixteen, mm-hmm. and then I rodeoed. Um, I rodeoed in Texas in two thousand sixteen. And uh, competed as well. In in trick riding, or yes, uh, we actually have a a sanction uh, a san- we had sanctioned competitions there for a few years. I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure what's going on with it now, and we competed on top of performing as well. Very cool. Yeah. So did you did you ever did you ever bell race at all, or uh, breakaway rope, or team rope, or any of that, or did you pretty much just do trick riding? I didn't. I just pretty much did trick riding. Uh, I think one or two years at the rodeo Bible camp, I had done barrel racing and goat tying because that was kind of all that I had really looked at. And then, of course, the trick riding thing came along. So, And then that kind of filled up my time outside of everything else. So I didn't do any rodeoing outside of that, no. So then... When did you, when did you, I, I know that uh, we talked a little bit about the work you're doing now. When did you, are, I mean, are you still trick riding now or did you transition out of that all the way? Uh, I have actually on a break right now. I actually found out I have a pretty bad back injury. So I'm trying to figure out kind of where to go with it from there. So yeah, just kind of uh, in the middle at the moment. Gotcha. But so then now you you basically in Western Pleasure, Western Show, uh, you know, in trick riding, rodeoing, that kind of stuff. And now you're doing something a little bit different. And and you, you, you know, alluded to earlier that you, you know, bought some English gear and, and uh, kind of you're doing some self-taught English riding. But uh, you've, you've taken that to a, another a, another level now, I, I take it. Absolutely. And boy, has it been a journey. <laughs> Well, just share with us uh, what you can about that. Okay, so um, after my after my year of rodeoing, I needed to. I came back home to kind of take a break and save up some money. So I was waitressing full time, and it was a wonderful job. Don't get me wrong. You know, I met tons of great people, but I was getting so burned out. I mean, just day in and day out. Um, People are very exhausting. I love people on a little bit smaller scale, but I ended up working a lot of hours and, you know, was living there pretty much. So I was like, okay, it's time to take a break for my mental health. And <laughs> I got online and found this job. 
uh, I came and interviewed for it. It was just a few hours away from my hometown, and it's a private facility um, with about anywhere from 25 to 30 horses. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a few of them that come and stay for a few months, and then they leave, Um, but it's all private. We don't really get anybody in or out. Uh, the lady that I ride with has a few private lessons, but no borders or anything, so it's very quiet, which was just what I was looking for. Right. <laughs> Post being immer- immersed in society. Right. Uh, and I, I came, and of course I had to ride for the interview, so I showed up in my old falling apart English boots and... Um, you know, just the, the one pair of, of breeches that I owned and went and rode. And I hadn't ridden really like hard or done anything for like that for about a year, but I felt like I did okay. And I felt like I had the basics of English down. You know, how much, this is really naive of me to say, but in my mind, I was kind of like, you know, how different can it be? I know yeah. it's different, but how different can it be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah how, how hard uh, can it be until... You jump out there and try to rope one and dally on that saddle, right? <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you've ever had one try to buck with one of those saddles, but <laughs> I've never I've never been in one of those saddles and probably wouldn't be because I'd probably fall right out of it. And, and nothing against them, but I'm just saying uh, my uh, my riding skills are definitely relegated to uh, rope and saddles. So, <laughs> oh no, you have got to do it. I mean, it is like a it is a life thing. You've got to ride English at least once. So you okay. Can- you, you know, you can appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll get a helmet and a vest and everything else. So when I fall yeah. off, it won't hurt quite as bad. <laughs> exactly. You know, they make English vests now that attach to your, they have a little clip on your saddle. And if you fall off and that clip comes undone, uh-huh. it'll inflate, inflate in about two seconds. Oh, I, I'm all over that. So that's, that's kind of like those things when you ski and, and an avalanche hits you, it inflates and saves you. So I'm 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 all about soft landings. <laughs> I did not know that. That's great to know. <laughs> it is. Uh, it, I came across one of those the other day in what in one of our magazines, and I just thought, oh my goodness. So then I went online and had to watch a video on it, and <laughs> sure enough, airbag for your body is yeah. amazing. <laughs> oh, I'll be googling that as soon as as soon as we're we're done here. <laughs> yeah, Very cool. So, uh, oh gosh, where was I? So yeah, I in, I interviewed, and uh-huh. I was really upfront with my with my now boss. I said, I am not skilled in English. I know the basics. That's it. And I've never. I'm the assistant manager is my official job title. I've never managed a place before or anything. And he's kind of a brisk guy, and he just says, "Oh, you'll be fine." <laughs> And uh, offered me the job, and I went home and and thought about it for a few days, and you know had a panic attack and a heart attack and all those emotions that you go through. And I, I accepted the job. It'll be a a year in the middle of May that I've been I've been here. So, so, so that's how so, that's how I got involved. So now, so I, I take it that your your English writing, and when when we say English writing, is that does English automatically include jumping? I mean, just uh, you know, forgive my ignorance, but or or is jumping completely Ooh. different than English, or is there is there a fine line there? No, I definitely think 
I def and you know take everything that I say with a grain of salt since I'm not like a dyed in the wool, um, you know, ho- like hoity-toity like English person. No offense right. to any of those English people out of there, but I believe it would just fall under English writing. I I think it's just one of like the, the little fractions that kind of is in the realm already. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh. and then, and you, and you are jumping now too when you ride. You doing the jumping as well? Yes, I do. Uh, most of our horses are like re- semi-retired or retired, uh-huh. so we don't do anything crazy. And we do hunter jumping, which is different than regular jumping. Okay. Um, and so it's like a little less. Excuse my French, but it's a little less balls to the walls than I would mm-hmm. say jumping is. It's more refined. It's Gotcha. Um, you know, it's very controlled. It's very, I don't want to say safe because we're right. safe without riding, but it, it is in comparison, kind of. Well, anytime you're jumping on a horse, it's, it's like if you're out in the pasture gathering or, or whatever, you know, a horse just jumps a little stream or a little, you know, whatever it is it, it always feels like, you know, you're, you're flying for miles to me anyway. Um, you know, and then when you watch, you know, uh, the, hunter jumpers or the jumpers i mean and sometimes these jumps are high you know and of course i've you know i've never done it myself but i do watch heartland uh which i love that show but uh, anyway that's, that's a whole other topic but uh yeah it, it's it it's probably not really easy and it takes i mean it takes a, a whole lot of skill to be able to do it and uh, i'm sure it feels you know a lot different than you know jumping over a small little creek or a little whatever in the pasture yeah it is it is very different in that aspect because I think there's a lot more. And this is one of the things that I came to learn. This has been a very humbling experience for, um, for, for my, my rider, the rider part of me, but it's, it's a lot more scientific than I ever could have imagined. Like how you approach the jump and you've got to approach the jump the right way. And um, then sometimes you have to count strides in between your jumps. And you have to have the proper amount of momentum going to the jump because you can't slow lope to your jump because you right. probably won't make it over. So you've got to like have this right rhythm and you're thinking about all these things and you're trying not to panic and you're like, okay, I have four strides after this jump and I've got to get it right. And uh, and then of course you feel like you're getting, it's not so bad now, um, but I used to feel like I was just getting launched into outer space, which right. is so silly because. I was jumping things that were like two feet, right? You know, six inches, stuff right. like that. Yeah. And so it uh, it does it it's very different, and it you know you do feel like you're getting launched in outer space. So you kind of have to make yourself go jump some higher things so that you can calm down over the small things. Anyways, that's what worked for me, I think. Yeah. And and now doing the you know the different disciplines like that. What do you have? Do you have a a favorite? I mean, in terms of you know, would you if you had your druthers, would you, would it be, you know, Western riding or, or English hunter jumper or, or just both? Oh, I don't know. I've, I always wanted to be uh, in English quite a bit. So now that I'm here, I feel like I've learned so many little things and like training nuances that mm-hmm. really transfer over to Western that I feel like I could kind of go either way. Like there's right. been so many good things that have come out of this job and luckily I have a lady that rides with me that was willing to teach me so that made a a huge difference um you know they 
I think they practiced a lot of forgiveness, forgive it, forgiveness whenever they brought me on. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I've been able to use a lot of my English training techniques um, right to the Western horse. So I would say I'm kind of just in the middle. I'm, uh, I can I can find uses for both disciplines, you know, in each other. Yeah. Um, but right now, probably more comfortable in a flat saddle, just because that's what I do five days a week. Right. Now, and flat saddle, by that you mean? Uh, the English saddle. Okay, yeah. That was over my head. So I learned a new term. Flat saddle. <laughs> yeah. Or the, the postage stamp saddle, whatever you want to call it. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like kind of like like horse racing. You see those guys getting those in those the jockeys getting those little saddles like that, and that just well for me even especially now getting my knees bent up like that. I, I don't I I'd come off that thing and I'd still be shaped like that. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah, and there's nothing to those. I mean, it is a girth and some some irons, some stirrups. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, crazy. Not a lot holding you on there. Yeah. Hey, just uh, let's take a moment and we're going to get a word from one of our sponsors real quick and we'll be right back with you. For years, FSR Cattle Company has been known for their premium roping cattle used and endorsed by multiple world champions and NFR qualifiers. But did you know that FSR is also the home of quality rope horses for all levels from professional team roping to the novice level? A trip to Weatherford, Texas and to the FSR headquarters will give you a variety of horses to choose from. FSR Cattle Company will arrange transport for your new horse back home and a free ride back to the airport for you. For your convenience, we accept credit cards for all horses found at FSR. We strongly believe in matching team ropers with horses they can work and win with. So when you back in the box on a horse you found at FSR Cattle Company, you know you're mounted to win. Visit us online at fsrcattlecompany.com or in the office at 817-598-1222 and let us help find your next winner. Again, that's fsrcattlecompany.com. So, hey, Arla, do you, uh, do you happen to have a, a, a favorite brand of boots that you wear, cowboy boots? Yes, I do. Well, I did. But they finally wore out. They had holes in the bottom of them. And I just, I had to move on to my other pair, finally. But yes, I do. It's the Ari- I like Ariat. Oh, do you? Now, now Ariat makes uh, uh, English boots as well, too, right? In hunter jumper boots and all that? Yes, they do. And is that what you're talking about? Were they Ariats? Were, were those or were they actually Western-style boots? Oh, those were Western-style boots. And then what about, uh, what about uh, cowboy hats? You you wear cowboy hat much uh where in your job now or i mean i know you probably wear it outside or whatever but uh do you have a favorite brand of cowboy hat um Mm -hmm. i don't but i really would like to try an american brand hat you know the um do you know what i'm talking about absolutely yeah american hat company absolutely yeah i would really like to try one of those they look, they look pretty awesome. They look like they carry a lot of style. So, you know, could find yeah, they're, yep. They're great hats. Absolutely. Um, and what about, since this is modern cowboy and I always, I always ask these questions a lot of times just cause we like to hear it from people, but how about cowboy movies? Do you like cowboy movies at all? And, and do you have a favorite? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, grew up on those for the most part. But I have a few. I've got to think about this. I want to say this one's probably pretty cliche, but you just can't go wrong with the Cowboys with John Wayne. Oh, absolutely. And then I think the close second behind that is probably Lonesome Dove. Classics, yeah. I, well, let me think. I don't even know if you were born when Lonesome Dove came out, were you? Uh, I think it was done in the 1980s, so that would have that would have been before I was a thought. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it came out in '89, and so and when you must have been born, what '97? '95. Uh, oh, nine, you were '95. Okay, '90. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so it came out way before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came out. Uh, that was the year my brother was born, actually. So. But it's a, you know, that one's a classic. And me and my best friend Tasha kind of have a tradition where once a year we sit down and we marathon Lonesome Dove. And it's amazing. And like a couple of girls, we cry every time Gus cries. <laughs> yep. Well, there's there's a lot of men that cry too, believe me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just, you're on that journey with them yep. up, to, up to Montana and then. And then boom, he's gone and just, oh, terrible. Yeah. And the first time you see that, you just never, ever expect that to happen. And then it does. No, it, it blindsides you. You're like, these, yeah. two, these two old farts are going to make it. They are yeah. Yeah. the hardiest creatures out there. And yeah, it's crazy. Nope. Crazy, crazy. So, hey, yeah. so where do you, um, now, so you, you went to college and, and you, you know, got, uh, your training was in, uh, you know, equine sciences and in ranch management and stuff. Uh, is is that what you're planning to do for the rest of your future? Are you are you still in school or what? What are your plans for for the future? Oh my! Well, I will just. Uh, long story short, I think I'm in my. I think you kind of have a life crisis whenever mm-hmm. you leave high school, right? Right. And you're about to go into the big wide world and you either know what you're going to do or you don't know what you're going to do sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm currently going through my second high school crisis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, because I thought I knew what I wanted to do and right. then boom, life kind of 180 would on me. And so I'm, I'm kind of reconsidering what I'm doing right now. And I've got a whole bunch of little irons in the fire trying to, trying to figure out what that is. I mean, horses have always been such a huge part of my life. So we'll see if I continue a career with them or not. I don't know. Are, um, are, are, do you have anything that you want to, do you want to share with us that, that you're thinking about going into or are you, or are you just completely in limbo still trying to figure it out? I want to say I'm completely in limbo still. Yeah. Um, the plus side to being in limbo for me at the moment is that I've accepted it, (laughs) which I feel like is step number one to moving forward. You know, like the, how many stages of grief are there? And Mm -hmm. the first one is acceptance. I'm there. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So, yeah. Well, just so you know, it doesn't change much throughout life. So so you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have tiny crises all through life. So. Oh man! I, I don't mean to burst your bubble or anything, but that's that's what makes makes life great, you know. I mean, here I am at, at the age I am, and I'm I'm heading into all kinds of new careers, and so 
Uh, I mean, some people, you know, do one thing for their whole life and, and that's great, but um, I just have attention deficit disorder so bad I can't. So. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I, I feel that completely. I, I think I'm there. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure which way I'm going. I know I'm going somewhere, but it could go a million ways, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you got plenty of time to figure it out. That's the good news. This is true. That's what I, that's what I tell myself. Um, internally, I feel like an old lady already that her half of her life is wasted away and then yeah. somebody will come along and remind me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, hey, Arla, hey, it, I've, it's been great having you on, man. I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time and, and, and sharing with us. And I was, I was glad that, that we met out there in Vegas and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you out there again. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and make it out there this year. So hopefully we'll, we'll intercept with each other. Very cool. So is, is there any, uh, are there any, like, uh, you don't have any websites or do you have any social media uh, you want people to follow you on for your, any of your new adventures coming up or um, are we going to leave that for a later date? Well, um, I've kind of started, I, my Instagram handle is, is public. Okay. And they, if they, if people want to follow that, they can. I've kind of been documenting some of my journey uh -huh. on there, and I uh, I post stuff on there that some people might find interesting, and if they do, they can check that out. Um, What's the handle? Okay, it's bizarre. It's so right. everybody, hold on. It's Arla underscore Farla. I like that. Arla. A R L A underscore, and it's F A R L A Farla. Yes. Is is there a story behind that, or we just gonna um, leave it at that? No, well, kind of. I was in band in high school, and my fellow flag girls, they liked to come up with nicknames that rhymed. Uh -huh. Arla Farla was one of them, so, <laughs> and it stuck well, with me. <laughs> That's forever great. that's great all right so hey so if, if someone if, if anybody wants to follow arla we can follow her at arla farla which i'm going to do uh right after this and uh we'll just uh check out your journey and and uh you know see where you're going yeah sounds great very exciting well hey thanks again and then i will be uh i'll be googling up the um English writing inflatable vest deal. I think that will be a great post. Maybe you should post that on your Instagram. That, that'd be a good educational material. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. There's a great video on there of somebody stunt riding and, you know, all that jazz. So maybe I'll do that. Very cool. Well, hey, Arla, thanks again. I really appreciate it. And then uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon. Okay, thank you so much. Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple Podcast, click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. 
Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you are interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com. But I give her hell, he never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies. Kick back in the saddle and philosophize most of life's problems. Yeah, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. Yeah, we don't do it for the money. You were always broke. Just ask Clint what he paid a rope. Now he's lost a dozen wives. Half the fingers on his hands to the rope and pain. And it takes a little skill and a little luck. If you can talk smack, you can back it up. Oh, but we're all friends. No matter who wins, down at the roping pen. Well, I ain't no play or speed. But I give her hell, hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn another pin of steers, tell a few more lies. Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the roping pen. Down at the roping pen.